Last week we started a new series in the book of James, in the book of James, and we looked at how it was written, who it was written to, who the author was, and so if you missed any of that, I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time this morning going back over it. You can go back and listen online, Um, but, but last week we talked about trials and troubles in life. We finished talking about how through the trials and troubles we should look at God as our constant, as the one who never changes. How we're to consider, even in the most difficult trials of life, we're to consider them joy. Why? Because it produces steadfastness, it strengthens our faith, it gives us endurance. And we're to live with an eternal focus. This week we're going to finish chapter 1. Next week uh, we're going to look at partiality. Pastor Paul will be bringing the message next week and looking at partiality. But before we start today, let's, let's pray together. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are, your love for us. Father, I thank you for your word, your truth. Father, help it to be spoken clearly and truthfully today. Uh, May it be heard clearly and truthfully. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There we go. We're going to start at verse 19 today. If you have your Bibles with you, open the James chapter 1, verse 19. And we're going to work through the rest of chapter 1. The beginning of, of chapter 1 focused on trials and tribulations. You remember it, it talked about how if, if in the difficulty of life you're lacking wisdom, you're supposed to ask God and trust that God's going to give it to you. And if you're not trusting God's going to give it to you, don't expect it. And we finished looking at how God is our constant. James 1.19 Know this, my beloved brothers. Now, who is James talking to? Uh, we, we know from the beginning that he is writing to the 12 tribes, to all the Jews. It was most likely written before the Gentiles really joined the church, right? And so that's who James is addressing. And he says this, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let me read The second part of that again. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The idea of being quick to hear, quick to listen, that means the believer is someone who is looking to hear and to understand what somebody else is trying to explain. Someone who is quick to hear says to me that there is someone who is reasonable and is trying to understand. Someone who wants to hear other people's hearts. Yet in life we can be so busy, and instead of being quick to hear, we can be slow to hear. Slow to listen. When there are a million things happening, we don't always prioritize listening, do we? Because we want it to be how we want it to be. There's no point of listening to someone else if I'm always right. Yet that's not what we're told. I wonder how many disagreements could just be solved if people would lovingly listen to each other. How different the world would be if the church prioritized listening to one another. I read a a story about uh, Charles Swindoll. Let me read it to you. It says, writer Charles Swindoll once found himself with too many commitments in too few days. He got nervous and tense about it. I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes and feeling irritated about those unexpected interruptions through my day. He recalled in his book, Stress Fractures. Before long, things around our home started to reflect my hurry-up style, and it was becoming unbearable. 
I distinctly remember after supper one evening, the words of our younger daughter, Colleen. She wanted to tell me something important that had happened to her at school that day. She began hurriedly, Daddy, I, I want to tell you something I, I, and tell you really fast. Suddenly, realizing her frustration, I answered, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me fast. Say it slowly. And I'll never forget her answer. Then listen slowly. Then listen slowly. Now here, when we, we talk about being quick to hear, uh, that is not actually contradicting what, what Chuck Swindoll is trying to say, right? And, and the idea of, of listening slowly. Listening intently is what his daughter was trying to say. Dad, listen to me. Listen to me. The believer should be one who is quick to hear. It leads us also to the idea that we are to be intentional listeners. Intentional listeners. Being quick to hear just doesn't come naturally kind of goes against our flesh. Be quick to hear. The believer is also to be slow to speak. And the idea of being slow to speak is not new in the Bible in the book of James. Have you ever stuck your foot in your mouth before? Right? <laughs> it's happened to me many times. It's one of the reasons, actually, I'm, I, I try really hard to not go away from my notes that I've prepared for the sermon. Because sometimes if I find myself on a rabbit trail... I usually end up at the door thinking, oh, I stuck my foot in my mouth. What was I doing? Be slow to speak. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 17:28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Sometimes it's so hard not to speak quickly, not to be reactionary. Notice it doesn't say that a believer is not to speak, right? It doesn't say a believer is not to speak, but be slow to speak. And it comes after listening, right? Be quick to hear. Be quick to listen and try and understand and then be slow to speak. Process your thoughts before you end up putting your foot in your mouth. We are to listen intentionally. Speak intentionally. If you are willing to be quick to listen and slow to speak, I truly believe that you will become someone who is slow to anger. Someone who's willing to listen and try and understand. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with what everybody thinks, what everybody believes. You shouldn't. But instead that you're willing to listen and then respond in love and in truth. Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. And then be slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, we know, we know that there are times in life when anger is not sinful. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But the majority of times when we find ourselves angry in life, is it based on a righteous reason or a selfish reason? How often do we become angry because we're inconvenienced? We become really frustrated because, man, that, that's just not working out the way I, I had hoped it was going to work. I've been sitting at this drive-thru for 20 minutes and there's no way out. <laughs> this is a story of Jonathan Edwards. Another story. Let me read it to you. Jonathan Edwards, the third president of Princeton, had a daughter with an ungovernable temper. But this was not known to the outside world. And there was a worthy young man who fell in love with his daughter, and he sought her hand in marriage. You can't have her, said Jonathan Edwards. 
But I, I love her, said the young man. You can't have her, said Edwards. But she loves me, said the young man. Again, Edwards said, you can't have her. Why? asked the young man. Edward's response was, because she's not worthy of you. <laughs> but the, the young man said, she's a Christian, isn't she? And Jonathan Edwards said, yes, she's a Christian, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. <laughs> Talking about his own daughter. <laughs> oh, man. Be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. We know that not anger is not all sin, right? Not anger is sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Ephesians 4, 26. Yet here we're looking at the anger that is selfish, the anger that it's all about me, the anger that we try and justify in our own righteous ideas, even though it has nothing to do with the righteousness of God or the Scripture. And there's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about this. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Be slow to anger, listening and thinking before responding. Verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Get rid of the garbage that exists in your life. Is there any filthiness or wickedness that exists in your heart today? Are there things that you're involved in that you shouldn't be involved in? Not that you're ever going to be perfect, but put it away. The Christian's not to sin. I go back to Scripture and I look at where Jesus tells people, go and sin no more. And I think to myself, how many times Jesus knew that they were going to make mistakes again in their lives. Yet there is no... What's Jesus going to say? Go and try to sin about ten more times before the end of your life, right? Work really hard. No. The standard is perfection. It's righteousness. That's why Christ came, right? That's why we have, that's why the gospel matters so much is because perfection was required. And Jesus paid that perfect penalty for us. And we know, as Paul tells us, that, that the old flesh is going to struggle with, with our with our righteousness in Christ here on this earth. And one day our glorified bodies, we're in heaven, we're in glory. Man, that's not going to be a struggle anymore. But here it is, right? Here it is. That's why, that's why we're told, be, slow to, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because we're still going to struggle with those things here on this earth. So put away all filthiness and all wickedness and receive with meekness, receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Open your heart to receive God's word with humility. So how many times when, when you go to listen to the word of God, whether you're, you're listening to someone teaching on, on the radio or the internet or TV or you're in a small group or a Bible study or Sunday school or Sunday morning, do you open your Bible and say, Lord, I'm here with humility today. Speak through all of the walls that I have built up myself. Humble me and teach me what you want me to know. Or is the temptation, reading through this verse, oh my goodness, I know someone who needs to hear this today. 
see the way they were living? Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. God's word, which is able to save your souls. And then James continues, and he, so he talks about this word, right? Receive the word with meekness, right? With humility, receive the word of God. And then we get to this next verse, and it says this. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Selves. Well, what does that mean? Well, we can hear something and even know it's true, yet do absolutely nothing about it. It's kind of like sometimes, how many, anybody have a dog? Anybody have a dog? How much patience do you have for your dog when it throws up? We were talking about this the other day somewhere. Did your dog ever wake you up in the middle of the night when you heard the, oh, oh? I can hear that. I can know my dog is about to throw up in the middle of the night. Yet it gives me no motivation to do anything about it. Except for clean the carpet. That's what it sounds like. You can go to the doctor who tells you that you need to change your diet because your, your blood levels all this is all out of control and you need to change the way that you're eating and the way that you're living or there could be consequences that are coming down the road and you say, you know what, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Give me that bacon. I've been waiting for that bacon all day. You can hear something and choose to do absolutely nothing about it. James said you're deceiving yourself. I think there's a lot of churches that have many people who are only hearers, who listen, who know, yet choose not to respond. Imagine with me for a moment, if all of a sudden, the churches in this country, just this country, would stop just listening and act, would things look different? So what if I asked you this question this morning? Are you someone who's acting on what the Word of God says? It's easy to listen. Are you acting on what the Word of God says? I had a conversation with somebody recently, and we were talking just about the evil that exists in the world around us. There's been evil since Genesis, right? Yet. We live today. And I was talking with someone about it, and I said, you know, I just feel like so many more Christians are looking at things, and they're seeing things, and saying, all right, I, I see this is wrong, and I'm going to speak about it, maybe. And this person responded with me by saying, what are Christians really doing? What are Christians really doing? This person's a believer. It was not a criticism of others. It was you look at everything around you. You hear the truth. You know the truth. You know what needs to be done. What are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? What am I doing about it? The Christian life isn't just about knowing things. It's not about how many Bible verses you can memorize. That's fantastic. We are to hide the word of God in our hearts. We are to study the word of God. Yet you can memorize this whole book and choose to do absolutely nothing about it. Right? You can understand more theological concepts than anybody else and choose to do nothing about it. 
receive God's word with meekness, then choose to act on it. James gives us a, an illustration, verse 23. It says, For any, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. What does a mirror tell you? What does a mirror tell you? When you look in a mirror, it, it all depends, right? If you, if you want to look a certain way, you can buy one of those funny mirrors, right? And then you can, you can look at yourself as you know, having a lot of muscles or being super thin or whatever you want. But a true mirror, a true reflection, what does it show you? It shows you all of your imperfections, right? All of the areas that you're lacking in. The hearer of the word, someone who's not a doer, goes and looks at his natural face in the mirror, sees all of the areas, all of the imperfections, hears the word of God, chooses to walk away and completely forgets about all of the areas in his life where he fell short. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing, living out your faith. What is the law of liberty? I love uh, got questions. That one, one of the websites I, I really enjoy using um, says, the, says the following. It is a declaration of righteousness and salvation by Christ, the law of liberty, an offer of peace and pardon by him, and a free promise of eternal life through him. The Bible says in John 8:36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 3:27, then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. You can act because of what Christ did. It's not a guilt obligation, but it's because the gospel truly should transform our hearts. And the one who acts will be blessed in his doing. Then we come to the end of chapter 1. And as I mentioned, there are times where James seems to almost shift from one concept to another, but, but, but he's not. So follow along here. We're talking about listening and following through with the word of God. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. A couple of verses ago, we just spoke about the importance of being slow to speak. Thinking before you speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you're walking with God, yet you cannot control your tongue, it's a good sign that things are not right between you and God. It's a good sign that you need to reevaluate your heart. The person who does not bridle his tongue can quickly become a bad testimony of who Jesus is. If you believe that you're a religious person, you cannot control your tongue, you're deceiving your heart. And you need to make sure things are right between you and God. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James closes with a description 
of religion that is pure and undefiled before God. Again, let me remind you, the book of James talks so much about our actions, the way that we live our lives, the way that we should live our lives. What it's not talking about is that these actions are going to save you, right? And so, so if, if you are someone who, you're just a really good person, man, that's going to help you get into heaven. No, that's not what the Bible teaches, right? James is talking about this because of being saved through faith by God's grace in Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Why orphans and widows? James could have, James could have closed with anything, yet he highlights orphans and widows. Believers are to look out for those who need help. Those in their trouble times. To keep oneself unstained from the world. Are any of us unstained from the world? As I read that part, and I kept thinking through it in my own head, to keep oneself unstained from the world. I don't know about you, but I, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. I've made things that I wish I could go back and change. I've wished things that I, I've done things that I, I look and I like. What in the world was I thinking? And then I think to myself, we can do nothing at all to change what happened yesterday. Nothing. There's nothing I can do to change yesterday. But we're not called to live in yesterday, right? That's not what God tells us to do. That's not where we're told to live. We're told to live today, right now, in this moment, in this place. This is where you were meant to be. We're called to live free in the forgiveness that God has given through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. We can't change yesterday. Live unstained from the world. What does that mean? Hear me today. If you're someone and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what, Tony? I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and, 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 and I, I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm talking about today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. See, what I think what it means to be unstained from the world is to live a life that's focused on Christ, away from what James uses the word filthiness, right? Away from the filthiness, the wickedness of the world. Choose it today. If you haven't chosen it before, choose it now. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, right? This morning, if you are here, you've given your life to Christ, you look at the mistakes that you've made in your life, realize you've been forgiven past, present, and future, but realize this, is that God wants you today to make sure that you're living a life that's unstained from the world. That might require lifestyle changes. It might require relationship changes. Yet that's what we're called to do. Some can read the unstained portion and believe that they are to be far away from the world. Yet that goes contrary to what Jesus is teaching. We're not to sin. We are not to engage in sin. Yet we are to reach the lost. With a message of hope and truth. We're to remain unstained by the sinfulness of the world. 
But you will be stained by the work of the world. Because reaching the lost is a difficult thing. Yet here what's being talked about is not the work, but the sinfulness. Romans 12, 1 through 2, and I close with this today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. I think we could almost, some similarities between this and the end of James, remain unstained. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When, uh, when I was at Word of Life Chapel, our, our youth group, we had a, a youth group name. And it was called Revolution Student Ministries. And we had a, a slogan that we had up on the wall. And it said, in a world where conforming is what's expected, we're the revolution. And it had this verse. And the whole point of it was this. To keep yourself unstained from the world. How do you do that? It's only by God's grace and by his power. Walking in the spirit day by day. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to speak truth, to live truth. God, that you would be glorified. Father, we do ask that you would help us to Look to the orphans and widows. To look to those who are in affliction. That we could encourage them. Lord, help us to care for one another. Lord, help us to remain unstained from the world. Through your Holy Spirit, convict us of things that we should not be involved in. Of things that we need to get out of our lives. To run away from help us to focus on you. Lord, that, that we wouldn't just hear things from your word. We wouldn't just read things from your word, but that we would live them out. By your power, by your grace, by your strength, Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that. Help us to humbly come before you on a daily basis, Father God, and to ask that you would work in our lives, transforming us day by day to be more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.